Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Ronnie. Hey, Brittany. So again, I it's almost I say again, but I guess this is a new episode, but we film a few in a day um, a lot of the time. So it's almost 4th of July. When you listen to it, it'll be closer to it. But I always like talking about you know, figures of the of the historical, you know, revolution time that don't get talked about a lot. Uh, and we did the uh, – what was her name? Sarah Fulton Bradley. Connor and I did um, a couple episodes ago. And I really like talking about these, like, unsung heroes because I think we forget how many heroes there were during the Revolutionary War. Some of them we probably will never know about because we didn't have, like – the internet, like it's funny now, but like imagine you can, you like know who heroes of certain movements are today because they're loud on Twitter or because they, you know, they're on <laughs> back then you didn't have that. And so there were a lot of people just doing amazing things for themselves or for their communities that we may never know about. Um, and this is a really fascinating person. Uh, Phyllis Wheatley is who I want to talk today about. And I remember learning about her in elementary school. And as I was looking for some just a, a really cool historical people from the revolutionary era, I remembered her and I'm like, oh, that was a really cool story from back in the day. So like we can talk about that. Have you ever heard that name? Does this name ring a bell to you at all? Yes, I have heard her before. And if you're like exactly me, like, what she did. Yeah, like, exactly. If you're like me, I was like, okay, I know the name, but I do not remember what she did and why why it matters. So let's talk about it. So she was a very fascinating woman. She became the first um, first American slave, like first black slave, uh, and only the third colonial American woman to have her work published. So she was an author. So that's a pretty amazing thing right there. And you have to remember, this is a time when most slaves were never taught to read and write. So not only was she reading and writing, she was publishing books that people were reading, uh, a lot of poetry, some other stuff. So just a really really amazing person. So obviously because of the way that, you know, terrible slave trade worked, we don't know where or when she was born, right? We only have some some estimates. Um, historians, though, they think like around 1753 in Western Africa. So that would have made her, you know, about, about 23 when the declaration was signed. So they think like uh, Gambia, am I saying that? Gambia, Gambia, and then Senegal which I have a friend, we've had her on the podcast before, I think, Magat Wade, she's from Senegal. She's a fantastic entrepreneur. If you have not listened to that episode, you should go back and listen. She's amazing. But so Phyllis was first purchased by John and so and Susanna Wheatley. And they were this like super wealthy family from Boston. And, you know, typical, typical stuff. Like she went and she helped with the housework. This was not in the South. So there weren't like plantations or, or out, a lot of more outdoor work to do because Boston is going to be more of a city, even though I say city loosely, it was definitely a city, but remember back then cities still had like cobblestone roads and stuff, but mm-hmm. still, still the city. So she was doing work um, there, not doing work. She was a slave. But so her name was actually named after the slave ship that brought her to America, which would make me mad. I mean, obviously, I'd be mad about slavery in general. It's terrible. But it's like even worse, it feels, when they, the name they give you is just like they looked at the name of the slave boat and was like, all right, let's yeah. call you Phyllis. Like, that just feels just crazy to me. But I also love when people like take a name that might not be great or like they like 
and they make it something different. You know, there's mm-hmm. a great quote I love from a TV show where they say, like, if you don't like what's saying being said about you, change the conversation. And I've always loved that because it's kind of like reclaim this. So I think she did because her name went on to mean something so much more powerful. So when she was baptized, because a lot of these Christian and most people, I think, were Christian back then, but um, of the slave owners would baptize their slaves. Um, some of them wouldn't treat them right at all, but they made sure they were baptized. Um, and when you're baptized, you get like a full name. So that's where she got the last name Wheatley because her, um, you know, owners, they 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 named her that. They gave her their last name. So she did not speak a word of English when she came to work for the Wheatley family. But she eventually was taught how to read and write by Mary Wheatley. She was the daughter of John and Susanna. And this was weird too, right? Because that did not happen very often. In fact, a lot of times people did not want their slaves to learn how to read and write because, and this is truth, like with when you can read and you can write, your brain starts working and thinking more critically and you, and you have can think more on power. Your own. You can think on your own. And that is a dangerous thing for anybody that likes control and power. But Phyllis was so sharp um, that when Mary realized this, she's like, okay, I've got to teach this woman to, to read and write. And she was like obsessed with learning. Like she just learned so quickly. So she had only been in America for 18 months. And think about that. That's only about a year and a half. And during that time, she learned how to speak English, Latin, Greek, and got really into English literature. She read the entire, right? She read the entire Bible, like again, within 18 months. Now, I don't, I know people in, like like my age the bible is a big book right it's a big and complicated book imagine reading it the same year you learned how to read i mean that to me is just so crazy so her and writing that's probably was probably in much older english too the whole oh my the, goodness like, King yes version. yes i can't imagine oh my goodness i can't even imagine so i mean that just is a testament to how incredible her her intellect was so she also she's just such a good writer and um so she would put out like some work she would get work published and people in boston did not believe that she was the author right um in fact it took a panel of 17 people to verify her writing to like prove to people that this was written by by you know this this black woman who at the time was a slave so Really crazy, but this is the really cool part. She was one of the, or she was the first African American woman to make money off of her writing. And I think, as we said, or as I said earlier on, she was only the third woman total, like of of you know any background in, in uh, the colonies who did that. So she eventually too helped create like a the foundation of African American literature. So that was like through her work, she really pioneered. Um, writing for for a lot of the people who had come over here as slaves. Um, at 14, she published her first poem. And it was uh, put in, th- these are like local Boston newspapers. And a lot of them refused to sell her books because how, you know, why would they sell a book that was written by a slave? So that caused a lot of controversy as well. Obviously, you know, it was a really tumultuous time. In fact, in Boston in general, Boston, Massachusetts has had problems with a lot of racism, even today. Like that's that's kind of like something that's associated with them. So if you match it's bad now, it was bad back then too. Um, so she had another book of poems that was published um, in London and um, financed by another like a, a rich countess who lived over there. This part I really love. She was invited to George Washington's house for a private reading of a poem she wrote for him. 
which was called to His Excellency George Washington. And so that that's really cool to me. And, you know, a lot of our founders get a lot of flack these days for for having slaves. So that was it's terrible, terrible thing. But that was um, just that was men of their time. That's what, you know, they they had. That was the way they knew it. And that's no excuse. But it's it was just a different time back then. But I think it's cool to see that George Washington did invite Phyllis, you know, to his house for for a reading. Now, she actually acquired freedom in 1778. So just two years after the declaration was signed because John Wheatley died and the wife and the family. Do you family know how old she was? Do you know how well, old she was? Well, let's see. Then? So she would have still been uh, – She so she was 14 when she published her first book. She'd have to – I think she'd be a teenager at the very most early 20s, okay. but I'm assuming she would have been a teenager. Um, and she ended up getting married to John Peters. I believe he was another um, – freed slave at the time and they had three children unfortunately though all of them died as babies so she didn't actually get to raise children which was very very sad and then her husband was incarcerated for a lot of debt um and so by the end of her life she ended up working as a maid in a boarding house it always is sad to me like same thing with nikola tesla who i've talked about before like a lot of these really amazing brilliant people ended up dying in, in poverty and alone and it makes me so sad but it's cool to me that they probably did not realize at the time when they were you know living living in poverty and in in these situations that they were going to be remembered and so i think it's really cool when we talk about them cuz i think that that helps make their memory live on that even though they may not have died in the most ideal circumstances that that their legacy lives on um so she ended up dying pretty young at 31 and she was in very poor health her whole life so it was kind of amazing she made it that long um but yeah just really cool story of of what is possible and i love that she was just so smart that she was able to rise above her circumstance and that of course there were probably many intelligent slaves that didn't get to do that so it's mm-hmm. it's great that she had that opportunity so yeah don't forget to look up these stories of these you know unsung heroes that were just doing amazing things that we might not always hear about. So we will leave it at that. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. And until next time, we will talk to you later. All right. See you soon. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.